Thank you, and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, today we're going to deal with a question that came up at a recent conference from someone who was wondering whether the text of Genesis chapter 1 requires that creation be interpreted as six literal days. Okay, so the, the basis for the question really comes from the idea that if we don't have to interpret Genesis chapter one literally, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe we could put some various periods of time or even just throw out the order altogether and yeah. really have more of an evolutionary perspective on how everything sort of got here. God created it, but evolution really describes how everything came into being. That would seem to be the direction they're going. I right. will just uh, read the question as I have it. The days of Genesis one follow a highly patterned literary structure. Days two through seven begin with, quote, and God said, close quote. Many respected Bible scholars, including Schofield, Spurgeon, Unger, Ironside, and Bill McDonald, have concluded that day one also begins with, and God said, in Genesis 1, 3, and that there could have been a long period between verse 1 and verse 3. What is your basis for claiming that day one starts with verse 1 rather than verse 3? All right. Well, first, there's a couple of mistakes, and I'm not trying to be picky, but I want to make sure that we understand the accurate representation from the Bible. The highly patterned literary structure, it says, in days two through seven begin with God said, well, actually, it would still be day one through day six. Day seven doesn't have anything about God saying, let there be rest. And verse three of chapter one, then God said, let there be light. And there was light is the first and God said, and that is dealing with day one. Okay, so the literary structure here that the person is asking about is the six days of Mm -hmm. creation. Each could be considered to begin with the words, and God said. That's a really interesting idea. Frankly, I'd never really considered that before. But, you know, we have to be careful also and recognize that there are more than just six and God said's. There are two and God said quotations on the third day. Let's look at that. Verse 9 Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. So there's the idea that God causes the land to appear on the first part of day three. And then in verse 11, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. That's the second half, you might Mm. say, of day three. So there's two, and God says, on the third day of creation. And then also on the sixth day of creation, there are actually three, and God said. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. And then verse 29, then God said, behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. So, you know, there's a lot of, and God says, not just six of them at the beginning of each day. So based on this standard, maybe it took God two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know how we would uh, really determine the time periods, you know, given these uh, quotations of then God said. But, you know, it's an interesting idea. And the the point being that when it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it doesn't say, and God said anything. The first, and God said, involves God calling light into existence. And the point that this particular question is getting at is, so could we put some time between uh, verses 1 and 2 and verse 3? Sounds like the gap theory. Yeah, it is. It's similar to the gap theory, although I think that the question really is getting beyond even just putting time between verses 1 and 2 and verse 3. I do happen to know that the scholars that the person is mentioning, Schofield, for example, and Bill McDonald, are putting that time period into verses 1 and 2 
to uh, basically give support for the gap theory, the idea that there's a large period of time, but there's a lot more than just time in there. The gap theory is talking about essentially an entire creation represented by the words, God created the heavens and the earth. So a whole creation there of the animals and everything else, and then a destruction, which then is um, essentially revamped Mm. starting in verse three, where it then says, and God said, let there be light. But the other scholars, I'm not certain if Spurgeon was a gap theorist or Unger or Ironside. I'm not sure about their positions on this. But when we get to the specific question, what is your basis for claiming that day one starts with verse one rather than verse three? Uh, The basis for that simply is the beginning of creation starts at verse one, and it concludes in verse five, and it says then, and there was evening and there was morning one day. So, you know, even if we would understand that there were passages of time represented by verses one and two that didn't include the rotation of the earth one time on its axis, Mm -hmm. where you've got an evening and a morning, you know, okay, frankly, we can't know. The whole idea of time is pretty vague. Uh, Whether it was time like we understand it today in the very beginning where the earth is formless and void, you know, these are things that we simply cannot know. And I'm not going to press the point that it's got to be a 24-hour period um, when we don't even have light shining on the earth to give us this morning and evening. Uh, so starting at verse three, where there is light shining on the earth, okay, we could say that that's a 24-hour period. There's an evening and a morning. What was going on before that when the earth was formless and void? I don't know. Who could know this? But really the kind of question that is is being asked here is getting at the idea that There are lots of periods of time, you know, throughout this creation week. It's getting at the idea that these are not 24-hour days from day one on. And I think that the text indicates to us that the earth is spinning, that these are six days. And not only does the text indicate that to us here in Genesis chapter 1, but we need to understand that God makes statements later on in the Bible based on the idea that these are six days, six literal days earth spinning on its axis days. So let's look back at Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments. God establishes the work week where we work six days and rest on the seventh upon the idea that these are six literal days. So if we read Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So according to scripture, these are six days. How long was day one? Okay, you know, I'm not going to make a big deal about the idea that when it says God created the heavens and the earth, that the first day the the clock started ticking. (laughs) But when it says, then God said, let there be light and there was light. It seems to me that a simple reading of this would indicate that that is where the first day begins. It's the rotation of the earth. And the idea then that because the first then God said is in verse three, that we can fit vast periods of time into verses one and two. That doesn't really help the uh, squeezing of evolution into there. And I know for a fact that Schofield was not trying to do that. Bill McDonald is not trying to do that. Frankly, I don't think Unger, Spurgeon, or Ironside are, are trying to squeeze evolution into these periods. And that essentially is the thrust of, for example, the Hugh Ross idea that you can take the literary structure of Genesis chapter one, And based on the literary structure, ignore the simple understanding of these being 
historical events where God is speaking. These things are happening over six literal days. Now, along those lines, there's another similar literary argument that some say the form of the creation account at the beginning of Genesis, more specifically that there were three days of forming and three days of filling, that that suggests that you should have a poetic or symbolic interpretation rather than a literal interpretation of Genesis 1. Yeah, that's right, Scott. So there's more than just the six days of, and God said, uh, therefore enabling time to be squeezed into verses 1 and 2. There is another proposal that there are three days of forming and three days of filling in the Genesis account. And so again, this is more metaphorical instead of being Mm. literal. Let me first of all point out, before I deal with that specifically, point out something that a couple of Hebrew scholars named Kyle and Dalich point out in their commentary of the Pentateuch, actually of the entire Old Testament. Kyle and Dalich are two of the most respected Hebrew scholars that I know of. And in their commentary on the Old Testament, volume one, the Pentateuch, this is what they say in their introduction to the uh, creation account. It's the creation of the world on page 37. It says, the account of the creation, its commencement, progress, and completion bears the marks both in form and substance of a historical document in which it is intended that we should accept as actual truth not only the assertion that God created the heavens and the earth and all that lives and moves in the world, but also the description of the creation itself in all its several stages. If we look merely at the form of this document, Its place at the beginning of the book of Genesis is sufficient to warrant the expectation that it will give us history and not fiction or human speculation. So here, you know, these two great Hebrew scholars simply take the assertion that, you know, the form could make this then be fit into the idea of myth, Hmm. that it's just poetry and not giving us history. They dismiss that. So the assertions that especially the Hugh Ross school keep making, that the form enables us to dismiss the literature as poetic, as not indicating, you know, historical narrative, facts and details about history. The guys who really know Hebrew just dismiss that. (laughs) So again, you know, Hugh Ross is an excellent astronomer, I guess. I don't know the man. I've not read a lot of his material. But when he starts getting into arguments with the attempt of taking the the Genesis account and argues about it from a literary point of view, don't want to be too critical, but he's out of his school. He's out of his league. And the guys who really know about this simply say that this is presented as historical narrative. So again, we get to this forming and filling idea. Well, frankly, I've taught this as well. And I teach it from the perspective of it's an interesting memory tool, Mm -hmm. but it's not a device that we can then dismiss the meaning of the text and change the interpretation of the text to fit evolutionary thinking, to fit these vast periods of time that are essentially evolutionarily based into the text. The forming and filling idea Uh, what are the three days of forming? Well, the first day, and again, now it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first day begins with the creation of the earth. And uh, it's an empty space. When it talks about the earth formless and void, there's nothing there on that first day of creation other than the earth, an empty, vast space and light. The filling part then is the fourth day where God fills that empty space with sun, moon, and stars. So there's forming of earth and space. There's filling with sun, moon, and stars. The second day, 
is essentially a consideration of, I would call it a forming of a ocean and an atmosphere. And uh, in our next program, we're going to talk about the second day and specifics of that second day of creation, essentially being the formation of ocean and atmosphere. And what does God do on the fifth day? He fills it with flying creatures and swimming creatures. The third day, we see the formation of land, the bringing of the land up onto the surface of the earth. We might say above the surface of water. And then that, that land, which was formed on the third day is filled with land creatures. So again, we don't have to take this memory tool essentially, and uh, consider that to be a way to dismiss then the intent of the account to not indicate six simple days of forming and filling. So what is the basis for claiming that day one starts with verse one? Well, that's when the earth was created. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. That's not what I say. That's what scripture says.